morning. And good morning, those of you watching at home uh, this morning or whenever. My name's Bruce. I want to welcome you. It is so good to see people here and to uh, be together to worship. What a, what a joy. I'm imagining we won't be taking it for granted like we used to uh, anymore. Counterintuitive. Uh, against intuition. What's intuition? Well, the things that uh, just make sense, common sense, logical, it's what you would assume. If I held a basketball and a tennis ball and I dropped them, which one hits the ground first? It's a basketball, ten times the size. Nope. Counterintuitive. They hit at the same time. Gravity impacts them both the same way. Uh, counterintuitive. The word flammable and inflammable. Same word, synonyms. Huh? How can that be? Counterintuitive. Uh, they did a big survey, long study. I don't know why it took a study, but to have free space in your life, you have to have structure. Counterintuitive. Who knew? Uh, think of some of the truths that Jesus taught. Counterintuitive. He who would be greatest must be the servant of all. The first will be last, the last will be first. Counterintuitive. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. Really. A, a follower of Jesus thinks differently, counterintuitively, because the thought patterns in his or her life are being reprogrammed, are being redirected. Uh, the Holy Spirit is remaking them, renewing them. We're going to think differently, counterintuitively. Now, this morning, in the next few weeks, we're going to be in a passage, a great passage of Scripture that talks about how we are to be, think, and serve differently than someone who doesn't know Jesus. So if you'd open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, that's where we're going to spend some time this morning and through the next few weeks. What a time to be a Christian. The virus and all that goes with it, its concerns. Back to school, health, am I going to get it? Economy, future. We get to people who think, be people who think differently. We think service, calm, trust, others. We get to be different. Uh, the racial strife right now. We all, we don't take God out of the picture. We're all demanding, angry. It's about me. I don't care about anybody else apart from God at work in my heart, changing, transforming, making me think differently. The Bible clearly teaches that all are created in the image of God. Every life has value. All of us made in the image of God. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white. They are. I should have made you sing the whole thing. How badly does our culture need right now? Christian people who think differently reflect God's heart for people whatever their ethnicity. What a time to be a follower of Jesus, to think counterintuitively. So Romans chapter 12, uh, the first 11 chapters have been all the doctrine of the book. 
And it's amazing. First few chapters are the mess we're all in. We are all sinful. We are all broken. We cannot save ourselves. We deserve judgment and punishment. And then the book gets into what God did in order to meet our need for salvation. And we get to Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he describes that God doesn't give up on his people. There are glorious passages in those first 11 chapters. Then we get to chapter 12. And this is the, okay, so what? Now what? Here's what it should look like in your life because of all the truth in those first 11 chapters. So we're going to look uh, this morning at the first eight verses. If you'd follow along with me, I want to read the first paragraph. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I know some of you here this morning and some of you at home have memorized these two verses. Very familiar, well-known, great passage of Scripture. He is giving several commands here. And the first one is, offer yourselves. He's urging them. That's our our word here. It's a uh, begging commanding offer yourselves to God why in view of God's mercy the whole the motive behind offering ourselves to God is when we begin to understand his mercy what's his mercy Kip had a children's church lesson in which uh he worked with the kids and was talking about the difference between uh, grace and mercy and justice what do they mean and these are third and fourth grade kids, they were able to define the terms. Mercy, what is it? It's when I don't get what I deserve. Somebody else pays the price I should have been made to pay. Mercy. He's saying, in view of God's mercy, it's actually plural, his mercies toward us. They talked about justice that morning. What's justice? It's when you get what you deserve, what you've earned. It's fair. And he asked them, uh, which one you want? Titus chapter 3, it's not by righteous works that we are not saved by righteous works we have done, but it's according to his mercy he saves us through the cleansing of rebirth and renewal accomplished by the Holy Spirit who's poured out on us generously by Jesus. Our salvation comes because of his mercy. And Paul's saying, when you get to, when you, in view of God's mercy, when you start to grab that, the response is to offer yourself to God. In that class, uh, they understood the difference, grace, mercy, justice. Everybody today, how often a, a, a day do you hear justice? We want justice. I think I know what's meant by that today, but we don't really want justice. What we've earned, what we deserve, we want His mercy, His mercies. 
not offer ourselves. Uh, so he says the only thing that makes sense is to offer ourselves. This is uh, temple language. Instead of animal sacrifices, now it's weird to be living sacrifices in response to his mercy. And the phrase there, it's your spiritual act of worship. That word spiritual, you probably got a note at the bottom of your Bible, uh, a footnote. Logical, reasonable. He's just saying when you get what God's mercy means, the only thing that's logical, only thing that makes any sense is you offer yourself to God. Here we talk about worship as a way of life. Oh, yep, I come an hour on Sunday morning or whenever I'm watching this and offer myself to God. Well, yeah, while we're together and while we're worshiping, but worship is a way of life. Everything about the way I work and treat people and think about people and serve Everything is an offering to God, worship as a way of life. Uh, we talk about uh, our, it's not there anymore, our, our, um, our vision is to be grow, a growing family of Christ followers who worship Jesus, you know the next word, wholeheartedly. It's offering ourselves, everything about us. I understand a little bit God's mercy toward me. Here I am. Do what you can with me. Worshiping Jesus wholeheartedly is the only response that makes sense when we understand the mercies of God. So how do we do it? How do we offer ourselves? Well, I like to imitate the Tom Julian plan. So you've probably heard this before, but Tom, every day, right now in assisted living at Grace Village, good morning, Tom, um, Every day starts the day with a prayer where he says, I take myself off the throne of my life and place myself on the altar. Available to God to be used how he chooses. So I try to imitate that. And every morning I pull myself, I, I'm off the throne and onto the altar, offering ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Can you do that? It's not a once and done. This is offering ourselves to him daily. The second command he gives in the next verse is stop conforming to the pattern of this world. Don't be fashioned like the world, uh, pressing in on you as a follower of Jesus. Now, one person translated this, uh, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. The tense here is that it happens automatically. It's already happening. Uh, don't conform any longer. It, it automatically happens, so you're going to have to fight against it. Um, I brought, when I read that, I think of this. This is something that uh, we had when I was growing up. You know what it is? Yep, cookie press. So mom would make dough, especially at Christmas time. This one has a little form in the bottom of the shape of a camel. So the wise men at Christmas time, you got to have camels. So she'd make red dough, green dough, uh, white dough, stuff them down in here, and then put this on here. And this is the picture of that word. Don't let it squeeze you into its mold. When this is set, then you'd crank it, and it'd push the dough out that form. I guess you could use Play-Doh in the same way, but it uh, wouldn't taste near as good. Um, that's the picture. Don't let it squeeze you. How's the world squeeze us into its mold? Values, truth claims, 
um, or that there is no truth. Uh, it'll squeeze us in terms of how we're to view earthly possessions, money. It'll squeeze us in terms of uh, join in with the complaining spirit. Our land is full of a complaining spirit and shaking the fist at whoever, including God. I don't like the way you're running the world. Uh, or it's our, we'll get squeezed in terms of, frankly, I'd rather be my own God or worship the, the idols, the things that are most important in my heart. Stop conforming. Don't let it squeeze you. Well, what's the alternative? This is the second half of verse 2, but be transformed, changed, metamorphosized, counterintuitive. We're going to think differently. So, butterflies. This time of year, you know I love flowers. I love watching. I plant things that the butterflies and hummingbirds will come to. So we're getting close to the time. It's going to be all over my yard. They're beautiful, amazing to watch. You know what they came from? Um, the, the larvae, I'm probably going to get the order wrong, larvae, pupae, caterpillars, some of those can be cute, then the chrysalis, then you get the butterfly. So the word here is metamorphosis. Uh, we start as something broken, sinful, then be transformed into something new, made new by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. It's a passive verb, be transformed. Well, who does the work? Holy Spirit does the work. When I trust Jesus as Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in and starts the work of metamorphosizing me. And the place that it happens most distinctly and most obviously is in my mind. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The old out and the new in. It's the process of the, the way I used to think and believe and values and decision making and rationale put off and, and made new, transformed into new thought patterns, new beliefs, new rationale, new decision-making. See, it's transformed thinking that leads to transformed behavior. Any of us can short-term, by an act of the will, say, okay, I'm going to stop that sin or I'm going to change that attitude. We can do it for a short period just by willing it, choosing it. But lasting freedom, lasting change only comes when the Holy Spirit transforms things. So let me give you an example. Um, worry. If you've been especially fearful or worried during these months, uh, you're an anxious person by nature. You've heard people say, well, I'm just a worrier. Okay, how helpful is it to say, well, you need to choose to not worry, just trust God. It might be helpful for the short term, but that doesn't lead to any lasting freedom. Until, see, that worry, that anxiety has underneath it God might not be able to handle this. I need to help him out here. Uh, I'm going to feel a whole lot better if I fret about this for a while and at least feel like I've still got some level of control that leads to the anxiety. Here, all those ways of thinking, see, until I put those off and take, no, God's on his throne. He knows what's supposed to happen here. It's hard to trust him, but I'm going to choose to trust him. Uh, he loves me more than I can imagine, 
and has a plan that I don't understand, now I can have some lasting freedom from the anxiety. So the, the battle happens in the mind. And so we have to wage war in the mind on those old thought patterns being transformed into new ones. So that's why 2 Corinthians chapter 10 Though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments, rationale, every pretension that's a proud thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Ah, the battle for the mind has to be fought, has to be waged. I'll give you another example. Hoarding. i got to hang on to my stuff uh, because my life consists of my stuff. If I don't keep my stuff, someday I might be in need of it. Uh, those who came out of the Depression, you kept gum wrappers. You might need this sometime. See, there's a set of thoughts beneath that behavior, that habit. And until those thoughts transform into not, God provides everything I need and won't give me anything I don't need. What's wise stewardship? Until those thoughts change, I can't have lasting freedom from it. In the sermon blog this week, Romans 8, listen for the thinking words. A few chapters before this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's not easy. Not easy. That's why it's so important to have a prayer partner an accountability partner, man, I just cannot get my mind straightened out, truthful, thinking the way God would call me in his word to think. That's why a prayer partner, an accountability partner, that's why it's wise. Turn to a friend on the discipleship counseling team and say, I've tried to choose different. Something needs to change in my thinking. What does God have to say about this? This is a day when where there's a desperate need for followers of Jesus to think differently, counterintuitively. And it happens because uh, our thoughts are being transformed, made new, renewed by the work of the Holy Spirit. How about in the area of race and prejudice right now? Let me think differently than what the rest of the world does. How about in the area of social media? Everybody's ticked. Everybody's an expert. Everybody has an opinion. We need to think differently, counterintuitively. Politics. We're going to come back to this as we go into the fall. I mean, people are just thinking in panic. Is God on his throne? And so followers of Jesus get to think counterintuitively differently than than what is happening, how the world needs people who are thinking differently, led by the Holy Spirit. The next paragraph in the passage talks about four ways that as a Christian, four ways the mind is being renewed bit by bit by the Holy Spirit. So look at verse 3, 
through verse 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members don't all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Four ways that we think counterintuitively. First one in verse 3 is we think humbly about ourselves. Um, uh, He says, with sober judgment. We live in a time that is so proud and so arrogant. I've been asking myself the question, I uh, asked a surgeon friend of mine this the other day. I said, what's the difference between this pandemic, this coronavirus, and former deadly flus that had high death tolls? What's changed? I know one thing that's changed is we're a far more proud and arrogant people. We believe any problem we face, our leaders should solve. We go to a doctor. Now, this surgeon said, yeah, uh, people are hard to work with. They think because you're a surgeon, you have to do it right and solve it. She said, it's no fun to be in medicine. People are so demanding and angry. I say uh, arrogant. Um, We should have solved this. Somebody needs to fix this. Think humbly about yourselves. I came across this article. it didn't get any press because we've been focused on other things. Recently, in London, they worked on 18 embryos. Worked on them, meaning they were genetically re-engineering them. So the article is Neobiological Revolution. COVID-19 is accelerating human transformation. Let's not waste it. And so they talk about, imagine the day when your child, a child sues his or her parents because they failed to have them genetically engineered to resist a particular disease. Arrogant. They say, our ability to manipulate RNA and DNA, bacteria, viruses, algae, and fungi gives us the power to engineer life. They talk about, quote, our godlike technologies, end quote. And they'd say, uh, what is holding us back? Our paleolithic emotions and our medieval institutions. Playing God. And feeling fully justified to do so. Think humbly about yourself. Uh, the racial strife and arrogance right now. One of the... Uh, one of the things I've listened to and, uh, and read, can't remember where it came from, really impacted me, was on um, it, when there's prejudice, when there is racism, uh, the problem is one of haughtiness. Proud. If your heart has hatred, disgust, or disdain for another person made in the image of God, whatever the ethnicity, there's a sin problem. Sin problem underneath the skin problem. 
Underneath the disgust or disdain is arrogance. I'm better. I'm right. Why can't you get with it and agree with me? Think humbly of yourself with sober judgment. That is not the flow. It's counterintuitive. That's thinking differently in our day. Uh, I want to invite you. We formed a ministry team, or it's forming now. Engage the culture. Uh, maybe you want to be part of it. But there is going to be a session. National Conference is going to be here right now. It's postponed to next summer. But they're still doing a bunch of things tonight. You've seen the information about that, as well as some seminars during the week. That ministry team is going to be here Wednesday at 4. I know it's a weird time. We're going to find out if it's recorded and available to you at other times because you're at work. We'll get word out about it. But if you can be here at 4, come join. And Carlos Tejas used to be part of our church family. He's now in Atlanta. He's going to be leading uh, this seminar at 4 on Tuesday. I'm looking forward to hearing him. And uh, this ministry team, we want to invite you to be part of it. Think humbly about yourself. Second thing, verses 4 and 5, think dependently about your relationships with others. We're an independent people. I do my thing. Uh, I, I work hard to be independent. Uh, nobody can tell me. Uh, rugged individualism. We love it. We work hard for it. Uh, he parallels in verses 4 and 5 the human body with the body of Christ. The, the church and our representation of it in our church family. Uh, many parts, many functions, but one body. There's a unity to it. It's the same thing he did in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I was challenged this week by the phrase at the end of verse 5. So each member belongs to all the others. Well, church is about what I get out of it. Church is about me being taught and filled and discipled and nope. I belong to you, you belong to me. Man, has this been hard during the pandemic. Because it's a whole lot easier to remember that when I see everybody. Uh, if I'm older and have to stay in place and I don't get to see people, I don't like Zoom, but I'm sure thankful for it because it's a whole lot better than the alternative of having nothing. And I am so thankful. Uh, both my life groups have really worked hard at we're going to stay connected. We belong to each other. We use Zoom. We'll meet face-to-face, -face, but at a distance. A bunch of our adult Bible fellowships have done the same thing. I know some folks who uh, aren't coming back to church for a long time in person. But they've been so creative and so intentional about, I'm going to stay connected to prayer partner. I'm going to stay connected to people that are in their ABF. That is so good. It's harder to recognize we belong to each other in these days. But that's what we're called to. So the, the independence, it's about me. It's counterintuitive to go, nope, it's about us. It's about you before it's about me. Thinking differently, thinking humbly, thinking dependently, thinking gratefully about giftings. I get comments from people, this is the beginning of verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. So I get comments from people, boy, you're so good with names. It's obvious you love people. I'm glad. It sure is easier to be a pastor when that's present than when it isn't. 
Think gratefully about your giftings. That gift came from God. Before I came to know Jesus, I was an introvert. And uh, so the gifting isn't about, well, I'll get puffed up. I'll think, yeah, my gifts are pretty good, huh? No. It's from God. It's because of his grace that whatever he's done to, however he has wired you, however he has gifted you, that's not about you. And it's not because of what you've been able to do. It's gifting from him so we think gratefully about who and what he has made us. And then verses 6 to 8, we think selflessly about our gifting. Well, my gifting is to help me advance. It'll help me at work. I'll get a promotion. I'll get the next level. Um, my gifting, my abilities, it's to prove myself. It's to help me feel fulfilled like I'm making a difference. My gifting is there for the sake of others. It's there for the sake of the body. Your abilities and gifting aren't for lifting you up, helping you feel fulfilled or getting you affirmation from others. Your gifting is given by God's grace and it's for the purpose of blessing and benefiting others counterintuitive the value that we talk about here and it's one of our top ones drives a lot of how we do ministry and who we are as a church family everybody has a part to play because the rest of the body needs whatever you bring to the table the ways God has gifted you we have an amazing church family full of gifted people and you are among them now some of you know what your gifting is and you've been using it and you're plugged in and then you're making an impact on other people praising God for the way your gift makes a difference in them uh, others of you are going well I don't know what my gift is it's really hard right now while we're dispersed and just trying to regather on how do I get plugged in how do I start serving to discover what my gift is and develop it Sometime this year, we're going to do an elective that's on gifting, spiritual gifts and, and service, and we're going to use a resource. This is one of the things that we'll use. Stay tuned. We have no idea right now when we get to do that. We'd rather do it face-to-face. Maybe it'll have to be digital or virtual. We'll, we'll see. But uh, I'd invite you, if you're in that category of, well, I'm trying to figure it out, uh, want to start experimenting and developing This would be a great opportunity for you. Now, uh, we have an amazing church family. I'm going to do what you aren't supposed to do. I'm going to name names. And on purpose, there are are a bunch of people left off the list, but I want to to give you one or two or four names of folks uh, in each of the gifts that are in the list here because I want you to be able to say, ah, that's what that looks like when it's in action. Okay, so um, this list of gifts has seven. There are three other lists in the New Testament. None of the lists match up. Uh, the, the point is God's grace, he has uh, displayed his grace in a variety of different ways in us. So prophesying, uh, if the gift is prophesying, let him prophesy in proportion to the faith. What's prophesying? That's the person that loves to dig into what God has revealed about himself, loves to dig into his word, and has the ability to declare this is what God has said. This is what you need to know. And to to make it clear and forceful and prophetic. 
This in our bodies, Randy Maxson and Mark Soto and Brent Sandy. This is Cheryl Wise. This is Stacy Gagnon. This is Kathy Friedberg. The second gift has been around a long time since Acts chapter 6. It's the word for deaconing, serving. If it's serving, let him serve. This is ministering to the needs of the body by organizing and mobilizing people to meet material needs. This is Stephen Sandy Barrett and Matt and Lisa Reimick. This is Andrew Essex and Charlie Wright. This is Donna Miller. This is Ann Sweet and Rachel Jensen. Third gift on the list is teaching. Let him teach. Well, what's the difference between that and prophesying? Well, teaching is not so much, the, the point here isn't that uh, you're the greatest speaker. This is the ability to help your students engage the material. This is loving to see the light bulb come on, that the person engages the, the material. In our case, it, it's God's Word. This is the person who helps that light bulb go on. They find great, great joy. This is uh, Mark Perry. This is Steve Friedberg. This is Jesse DeLoe, Christy Hill, Lee Miller. Kelly Raber. Uh, then the next gift in the list is encouraging. This is the person who comes alongside another person uh, to prod them, poke them, kick them in the backside, love on them, uh, put the arm around them and encourage them and comfort them. Well, six feet away for now, but... Um, that's encouraging, challenging, uh, comforting. In our family, that is uh, John Miller, the older, the senior. That's Kent Kaufman. That's Dave Phelps and Jim Hill. That's uh, Helene McNulty, Judy Herr. And if you're newer to the church family or watching at home and don't know any of these people, um, anybody in Winona Lake knows Clint Johnson. Poster child for encouragement, I think. Uh, then uh, there are three more. Contributing to the needs of others. Let him give generously. Interesting word. It's don't get caught up in the details and the complexity. Keep it simple. This is the person who just loves to take care of a need. They, they see what somebody else needs, wants, and, and they meet it. Sometimes that's financial, sometimes it's time and talent. This is Jim Bauer. This is Dalton and Paulette Canode. This is uh, people that aren't with us anymore. Warren Zellner, Ruth Ann Theobald. This is Pam Carroll. Uh, this is Cindy Silvius. This is Chuck and Judy Yeager. I just knocked over the press. This is Michael Harstein. Leadership, person who feels responsible for what goes on, uh, gifted to help manage and, and organize and oversee, Res feels responsible. This is C.J. Overmeyer. This is Chad Hummel. This is David Jones. This is Jessica Bricker and Lauren Warren and Brandy Wright and Gladys DeLoe. 
showing mercy. The passage started with, in view of God's mercy, and it ends with mercy, gifted in mercy. Let him do it cheerfully. This is the person that hurts for people who are hurting. They can't help but be concerned for the welfare of others. This is Mark Andrews. This is Barry Andrew. This is Jeff and Emmeline Secor. This is Marsha Graber. This is Julie Shearer, Becky Wilson. It's mercy. Let him do it cheerfully. We have an amazing church family full of gifted folks, and you are one of them. But in any of these, it's not about, well, what attention does it get me and how do I feel about using it? It's all about thinking others. Who do I bless? Who can I help? How can I use what God has made me to be for His purpose? So the follower of Jesus is going to think differently, counterintuitively in these ways because the mind, the thought process, the rationale, the decision-making, the belief system is going to be transformed. It's going to be reprogrammed. It's going to be made new and renewed by the Holy Spirit. So we are going to think humbly about ourselves. We're going to think dependently about our relationship with others. We belong to each other. We're going to think gratefully about our giftings. It isn't me. It comes from God. And we're going to think selflessly, eager to benefit others as we use our gifts. What needs to be transformed for you? The battle for the mind and the thoughts. It's where the change happens from who I was before Jesus to who I am now. Little by little by little, transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Amazing. Stop being conformed, pressed into the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's pray. Come, Father, knowing that... uh, We've tried to change our thoughts. We've tried to catch our attitudes. So many things in life right now where it's easy to get swept up into uh, the anger and frustration and uncertainty and fear. And you've called us to be different. Called us to be able to, to be a light and to be people of hope and grace and service. How desperately that's needed. We know we don't have it in ourselves. But because of the work of your Spirit, you bring glory to yourself and you allow us to look back in time and see how many things you have changed already and then to offer ourselves to you for the work you want to continue to do and shifting and changing and remaking us. We need that. We want that. We offer ourselves and submit ourselves to it because we know it's where we find life. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we want to say thanks for joining us today. And as we exit, this is a good time to be friendly with people. And so uh, I encourage you to to stop and have a conversation outdoors with somebody. Uh, There are a lot of people, this is their first time in the church building for a while. And uh, maybe we'll throw candy at you and say, first timers in a while, you know, I don't know. We're not going to do that. Uh, 
but we are going to try to just get to it. Great. Um, as you exit, I just remind you, there's still an opportunity to give. There's, there's a slot in the back and on either front exit up here, uh, a chance to give. And there's always a chance to give online. But as we exit, if you have kids in the W.L. Little's hallway, you are welcome to go down those back steps and back this way. Um, we're going to ask everybody else to uh, exit the building. Um, we're also going to need a few extra people to help with uh, disinfecting for the next service. So if you are welcome, or if you are willing to do that, uh, just stay where you're at for just a second and then meet me out in the courtyard here in just a couple minutes. Have a great week. You are sent.